let's do a quick review. Um, I have went ahead and wrote down some questions um, to fast forward through these. Uh, I missed and read down only 44 questions from verse 1. Um, in Galatians chapter 1 and 4. Is that possible? How many words are in <laughs> chapter 1, verse 1? Um, and let's see if we can get through this. Um, some people are counting. Um, 2, 4, 6, 7, yeah. A lot of words. And it depends on which version you're in, right? Yep, we come up with an answer yet. Uh-huh. I think that one verse one. Uh, yeah, collision one verse one. Six. Six? Thirty six. Thirty six. Wow. That's a lot of words. And forty four questions out of thirty six words. Twenty seven versions. Sometimes of course, it, I'm sure it does. It depends on the version you're reading. That will influence and have a direct impact on the number of 26, 26, 36, 27. Okay, that's good. Let's see if we can condense this. Let's go do a quick, quick recall review here. And number one, um, fast answers now, so I can get to my 44 questions. First one, uh, um, who actually wrote this letter? Cousin Paul, whose name was? Yeah, well, that's good. See, that's one question down, only 43 left. How, how does he describe himself in this verse? I mean, in this, this, this book. He calls himself an apostle. That, that's good. We're on a roll here. Okay. And we already defined what that is, right? An apostle is, is who again? Someone called that God Someone specific. that God emailed. Yeah. Oh, wait, that wasn't right. Okay. <laughs> Someone called by God with a specific purpose to proclaim the gospel, who is also had coming over the risen Christ. That's a long answer. You know, Amala, what did he say? Somewhere else. No email, Facebook. Okay. Alright, that worked. To whom was this letter written? So we know who wrote it and who he called himself. Now, to whom, who was the intended audience or recipient of this letter? The Bohemians? The, the, the gals, the Galatians. Um, now, wait a minute, because if you say the Galatians, this applies to all nationals in Galatia at the time. So you'll have to send us to the, the, the general the post office. The church in Galatia. The church. That's a little specific group in Galatia. All right. Any objection to that? That this is, or oh, that's very narrow minded, and this should have been included more, said so all the nationals, including the the government and all of the ruling um, sector, persons, leaders in that community. No, we stick with the church. Uh, I'm outnumbered here, so let's keep moving. Um, what do you think uh, was the major point about himself? Does this Paul seem to be pressing home in the early part of this uh, chapter, in chapter one? What is the major point about himself? Does Paul seem to be pressing? 
right really in those first few verses there. He wasn't appointed by any human authority, but by Jesus Christ. Okay. Let's see if we can sell that to the other people as a salesperson. She's good. She's good. So, to the highest bidder, the model is going to pass. <laughs> you agree? So silently. Okay. Um, here's another question. What do you? What was some, uh, another important truth? Um, does he refer to right up early in there? Some, there's a word I see right up in the mix of there. You know, uh, um, I'm still verse one. You know, um, if I read this, it says Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, and to the church of God, which is as Corinth, right? Aha! You are also alert. What is it, what is this? Anything else that he referred to? Aha! The dead. What does that suggest to you? That, uh, give me another word for people who are raised in the dead. I'll give you a clue. Uh, it, has, it starts with R and it ends with some shun and shun. Shun is the last syllable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it is, do you think that's an important part? <laughs> do you think that's an important part of our Christian faith, the resurrection? Because that, that is it, right? And so that's an important thing. Very, if you may call it subtle, you may miss it if you're just reading through it. But obviously, he refers to that, so I suggest that it is very important. But how does Paul identify um, with these believers there at Galatia? How does he identify with them? Do they have any connection? He called them what? My, my siblings. My, which means something else here. If he calls them his siblings, that means they must have the same mother or father. In this case, what do you think? The same father. And obviously that is not referring to the human father. So he's calling at the end referring to fellow believers or members of the body of Christ. Very good. I'm all the way down to question, question 9 here. Here's question 10. What are some other things that are said about the death, about his death, that is Christ's death? In verse 4, maybe give you a clue. Anything else said? You know, what other things are said about his death? In verse 4. I, I almost heard that. Heard what you said on there. He died for our sins. Mm. That sounds like if somebody does something else, in other words, our sin, what, what do we call that if somebody else takes our place? I mean, another S word. Sacrifice. I like that. I like substitute better. You know. Um, so when he died for our sins, because we should die for our own sin, because sin is itself demands that somebody get a dead, right? Somebody has to die. And since it was mine, the first option would be you die for your own sin. That's yours. You die for it. But here comes or enters Jesus Christ, not minding his own business taking care of our business, <laughs> becoming our substitute, and dying where we should have died. That's amazing. Well, here's something. Here's the next question. 
Does God wait till we become good enough to offer us salvation? Well, why do you want to be so anxious to offer this? He's so, so giving. Why doesn't he wait until we get it all together first? And, you know, like, you know, we have to deal with some issues in our lives. So why doesn't he wait until we get that together? And then he says, now nah, you're okay. You're qualified. You've gone through the 12-step process. So now you, you have an option. You can refuse or accept this offer. But it's available at this point. You're qualified. You've met the minimum requirements. Why is it that he doesn't wait? He doesn't say you have to become good enough first before he offers us salvation. Because you can't become good enough. You can't? No, not by yourself. Not by yourself. That sounds like almost like a like a mother moment. Wow. Mother. You know, um, can't become good enough. By the way, Titus, somebody find that. I think it's in some Bibles. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 through 5. Titus. It's a little tight book in the New Testament. Chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. I'm only looking at a piece of 5, but um, we'll read all of it for context. Again, it may help with the answer we just gave about you can't become good enough because that's an expensive kind of thing. This is salvation costs something. I mean, it's invaluable. And are you fine? Can we read it out? Three, chapter three, verses four and five. <clears throat> but when the kindness of God our Father, of God our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Wow. So, so not because of what we do. So we were saved, or the offer of salvation is based on what? Essentially, his God's work. Kindness, mercy. Kindness, mercy, love. So this is all initiated from his side of the fence. So really, if I have to brag about anything, I can't brag about nothing of my own in terms of my salvation. I have to totally brag on God's mercy, um, God's goodness or kindness towards me. Uh, and not, we used once upon a time another word for when we were the recipients or are the recipients of God's kindness. We call that a G word. That's a slow grace. <laughs> That's grace. <laughs> but absolutely, it is grace. Uh, totally grace. Now, because if you mix grace and um, some other requirements, um, like maybe goodness, whatever that is, uh, then grace would be contaminated and it wouldn't be purely grace. And so, but it is all grace, isn't it? It's all grace. How did Paul react when he thought? about salvation and the death of Christ. Right right underneath there, right, right back there in Galatians now. And let me give you a clue. When he finished reacting, he said, Amen. He said, My goodness. He said, Amen. Somebody said, Hallelujah. But he, Paul is stuck right to the moment. He said, Amen. How did he react when he reflected or thought about the salvation and the death of Christ? That this is free. I can't earn this, I can't earn this, and God just out of his goodness, his kindness, his grace, his mercy, he just like, hey, it's for you, you want it? This is a good root beer, take it. How did he react when he said that? When, when, when he reflected and 
pondered on the truth of that, the truth of this statement, and that God died for me, my sins. Paul had a, a sealer moment. <laughs> what was it? It's right, right in the neighborhood. He seemed because what, what are the actual words that he said? Right in that verse you read. Yeah, he said, saying to God, make, and glory means what? To make God, to make God look good? He's already absolutely, he is good goodness, uh, the very embodiment of goodness. And then when we say, to God be the glory, and what else? You had another word there, to God be the glory forever, not 24 hours, and not one hour. Uh, to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He said, let it, just, let it be so forever. Wow. That's what when you, when he had that kind of a moment, he reflected on it, he said, wow, to God be the glory. Let God get all the glory, all of the attention, um, all of the praise, if you please, because of what he has done. Because when he came to this, the truth of this statement, God, you did it all. Wow. It's not about me. This is about you. To you be the glory forever. Wow. Here's the next question. I'm all the way down. In case you're keeping track of how many questions, I'll knock off these 44 questions here. Um, I'm all the way to question 12. Here's a question here. Whose gospel did Paul preach? Mm -hmm. Let me squeeze in another question. And did he believe there were many ways to heaven? Two questions wrapped up in one. Whose gospel did Paul preach? Now, if you say which, whatever answer you gave, you must be able to substantiate it with scripture, not by hearsay. If you quote the punch, you're not going to get any points. Whose gospel did Paul preach? His own, James, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or Revelation? AGI will do, but lamentation will cause Jeremiah problems. <laughs> Now that you're a little bit confused or taken off track in your thinking, what answers? What say ye? Whose gospel did Paul preach? The gospel of Christ. And that is in which verse? Verse 7. Uh -huh. well, well, if he did, there were several ways to do this. Did he believe there were many ways to heaven? And if he said no, evidence. And if he says maybe, I need the evidence. If he says yes, I need evidence to support your view. Because we can't be walking around or sitting around pontificating on answers and then without having them substantiated with fact. Mm -hmm. He believes there was only one gospel. Um, and any other gospel that is preached, he believes that the person who preaches it should be assigned to hell. That's in verse. So he only believes in one gospel. Any deviation from that is one gospel. Any deviation from that will not land you in heaven, and and and, and you won't overshot. You wouldn't overshot heaven. You're going to fall short. And the next step between where you are and heaven is one stop. You know, this is not a direct flight. This is a, this is a, another connecting flight. You will stop in the other H. You only have uh, one <laughs> one syllable. Let's see, hell. 
Yes, uh, yes. Uh, do we have a unanimous agreement with that, or you think uh, there is a possibility if you land here, you can just tell them, you know, this is not your final destination, you're only stopping here because of some technical difficulties, and you're looking forward to the next flight out? Final? So choose your flights carefully. Hey, make sure your passport, your ticket is your e ticketing is done. This is now called S ticketing. That's your spiritual ticket. <laughs> uh huh. But here's the next one. Why was Paul concerned for these converts back there? I mean, there were so many other people. Why specifically these people, these converts there in Galatia, in Galatia? Why was he so concerned about them? What's the what's the what's the big deal? You know, you, you, you can't be concerned there are too many people. And besides, some of them hide hard, head hard, head hard, and head hard, and have hard head. They drink plenty of coffee, so why concerned about these? And even though they, as we've said earlier, these are his brothers and sisters. They call them brethren and sisters, and they had the same daddy and things like that. So, so someone else is coming into the churches proclaiming a false gospel. Uh, the church in Galatia is being fooled. Uh, some of the church are being fooled by the false gospels of this letters to kind of let them know that. But Percy's asking, how could you guys be fooled by this gospel and deserting the truth that uh, was proclaimed to you before with some false doctrine? Mm. So there are some people, obviously Paul is referring to, he said that he was amazed, he's shocked, flabbergasted. Then he hears some news that these people are now, there's some other people who coming after Paul would have already preached. By the way, these people came and they were preaching, they're, they're basing their, their message, their gospel, on some of the things Paul said, but they added some additional things to it. And now they're saying something totally different. Paul is concerned. Okay. Well, tell me, does that happen today? Because that may have only happened in that part of uh, Asia at that time. Does that still happen today, like in the Western world, 2012, particularly in the Western Hemisphere? Let's be a little bit more specific. Does it happen in the Bahamas? Because we're so astute, you know, and well-informed, you know. We, we even have cable TV, you know. So, <laughs> can people today be uh, deluded, deceived? Could they be influenced by another gospel other than what Paul maybe they don't even know what Paul's message is maybe we should look that up to find out what is the gospel of Christ because it sounds good to say Paul was preaching the gospel of Christ it sounds so nice but what is that I know well he, he said God loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so okay is that it is that the tool in essence say is that the gospel? Well, before we answer all of those other questions, first of all, does it happen today? Is it possible for people to be deceived or to be influenced by another gospel different than the one that Paul was preaching? And if so, how how how? How come we don't see it? It is not possible today. Therefore, this is a good story, it's a little fable back then. This is good to tell them what used to be. But today is of no relevance to people who are living today, right? It could happen today. It could? Yeah. It does? Oh boy, this could be scary. You know, so, so, so please tell, tell me, give me an example of how it could happen, or maybe an example, suppose this happened. Give me a scenario where it is happening, or could happen. 
what would that look like? So I can be informed when I see that. Ah, there it is. And I almost, I almost, with my ears are short. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hear you. Those who knock on your door on Saturday mornings, you have to be aware of them. Are they preaching another gospel? Is it different? Totally, you say. But don't they say Jesus is the Son of God? But there's a few discrepancies. Have you ever pointed out those discrepancies to these people? Yeah. And, and they and they and their response? They want an argument. They want to fight. Did they have on this boxing glove? You could have told them then. I don't want to hurt you. <laughs> you know. So yeah, that's interesting. So they do come. What is one of the things that they say that is totally opposed? Because like you said, there are several things that may differ from what Paul would have preached. Give me an example of one of those people who come knocking on the door, right in the midst of something you're doing on Saturday morning, either chilling for a little bit, sleep, which is so critically important to wake you up just to say, good morning, you know, and they have the awake before them. They're trying to wake you with their awake, Michael Zane. Yes, yes, and you know, and you were sleeping. Oh, how discourteous of them. It's amazing. The audacity that some people have. You know, with a back bag or a brown leather bag over their left shoulder. You know, come as a little family so pious. It's amazing. You know, but what is one example of what they might say that will be contradictory to what Paul's gospel? One example. And he said that. Because it requires people to be alert. Otherwise, they won't know because they're very smooth in their presentation. They don't seem ruffled by your response, generally speaking. And so, they seem so confident. You know, and they will take you to scripture. Yeah, and say, read that. And then you read that, this and now what does it say? And then read this. Why don't you go over here? And they will have you going from pillar to post to corner to they'll take you over the place. And you know, that will cause you to get sleepy again. You know, it's amazing. So what is an example of what they might say? That is so contradictory. And if we know that then we can publicize that and paste it all over the place on Twitter and other places so that everybody knows. Watch out for the knockers on the doors on Saturday mornings. And this is one thing, one of the things they are saying. But however, this is not true because of what scripture says, and here's an example and you refer them to scripture. But they need to know what it is. Because some people are just not aware because they're still asleep when this person comes knocking on the door and they get swing here by these people. But we have to tell them what to look for. What is an example then? of one of these things that they say that is so profoundly wrong. The food, the fruit? Yeah. Okay. Okay. He was by herself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't need help. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Adam, I would advise Adam not to say anything until his attorney shows up. You know, because, you know. Okay, it's amazing. They, they don't believe Jesus is God. They don't believe that Jesus bodily rose from the dead. 
Thank you, Jesus. It's Michael Archangel. I'm assuming here that these are things that Paul and maybe yourself, do you believe that Jesus actually came from the grave bodily, physically, or he was raised spiritually? Physically? And you believe that Jesus is God? Mm-hmm. And, and, and Eve, if the fruit was not a real fruit, then the tree was not a real tree. Is that true? That's what they say. You have you ever asked them was the tree real? No, I didn't Yeah, because you were still sleeping. You were oh, you were upset because they woke you up. Yeah, you said, look, <laughs> okay. But you come back another day. At the moment, you, you don't invite them to come back. So <gasps> holy smoke! You mean you allowed them to get away to go and contaminate the next neighbor? Do not. <laughs> Pardon? You don't think? Oh, but no, 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 it is not about you, is it now? Ah, it is about that other one who is in you. Yeah, he is going to do that for you. Because perceive that other one who was in you was not asleep. No, 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 but see, then you invite them back. You tell them when to come, you see? You say, like, 4 a.m., you could tell, no, that's too early for How about 4 p.m.? <laughs> See, 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 you can wait until you already rouse up and say, oh, could you come back in the afternoon, like, uh, or, or, or 5.30, you know, it's a more convenient time, because right now I, I do a late night shift, and I normally have to make up that by sleeping over, especially on a Saturday morning. You know, I would be delighted, but I just have one or two questions for you. And I can answer that, I'd be delighted. As a matter of fact, why don't you leave me your phone number? They will be delighted to do something. It's amazing to do. You can try that approach as well. Let's go back to Galatians. <laughs> See what happens here. I have a question here. It says, it says why was Paul concerned? And I, I think you've answered that. Well, here's the next question. Why would Paul here emphasize that he was not a man pleaser? Why you got to bring that up? Now, why you want to go down that road? Why are you going to say that? He, which verse did he say that in? Which verse? That he's, I'm not a man pleaser. He referred to that. Well, and what, verse 10. So, so why did he say that? Why, why, why are you going down to what provoked him? What, what was he thinking or what must have been implied then to suggest that? And man pleaser. Is there another word for man pleaser today? We don't normally use that. What would we say today? Suck up? Yeah, well, you know, suck up. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, okay. Uh, but something must have suggested, because you can't just go in the midst of your discussion or chat with somebody and then just throw that phrase in there and say, I'm not a sucker upper. You know, you think of some sort of tissue paper that's absorbed all of the moisture, the, the pickle rubber. No, I don't know what's up. So, so something must have been said or implied. Didn't they make that comment? And so, but why do you say that? That he's not a man pleaser. The answer is? Probably he's probably accused by the people who he's writing to or some people who influence the people who he's writing to. That could be a slight difference. Who do you think he's... Obviously we know who his intended audience is. We talked about that at the beginning. But why did he raise it there? Could it be that someone sent him a fax or text him and told him that you know what they're saying out here in this neighborhood, in the community? They say, you are a man pleaser. 
Jews, etc. Yeah? And all that you are saying is only because, you know, you, you're trying to suck up to the people here. Yeah. Now Paul is responding. Could that be? Why is he saying that? That he is not a man pleaser. And man is in use, I guess, in this text, context, in the generic term, meaning that that means people in general. Not that he's not a man pleaser, but he might be a woman pleaser. Mm. Mm. Another story. But say ye. I'm only a question 15. Which implied that he that he was still. So that means he used to do it before. But do you do you agree? So when was he when was it that he was doing that before trying to please men? Hmm. Is it possible to be for a Pharisee? This never says that's the poor word, right? Well, as far as you could see, you would agree with me that it was a Pharisee, right? Okay. <laughs> well, let's suppose that he was. Um, and a Pharisee generally is thinking, like, you yeah, um, know, I, I studied the law. They were the religious leaders of the day. Would you agree with that, the Pharisees? Okay. And so when you want to talk religion, go check out the Pharisee. Yeah. PH people. Right? The Pharisee. And so Pharisee is concerned, and, he's, and we know from his bio, you know, uh, this curriculum detail that he sent. Paul was well educated, you know, smart man. But he was also very zealous, very studious, and committed to what it is that he's been taught as a religious man, as a Pharisee. But could it be that a Pharisee is very devoted to those principles or truths or regulations, law uh, practices that were taught, but be also very wrong? Very committed, but very wrong. Sincerely wrong. Very sincere, because that's what he believed. Is it possible that people who knock on your door are sincere, but they're wrong? But they won't know that until they meet you. Whether you just wake up or not. <laughs> All right? And so that's why if you see the opportunity, you know, this is no accident. You know, I have a problem with that. You know what you should do? The person will come knocking on the door early um, while you're sleeping. I think you should really um, protest and, and, and send God an email about that, you know? Because he knows how much you needed your sleep. As a matter of fact, he knows how much you want to sleep. Not only need it, it knows how critical it is, how essential it is for you to get that total extra uh, um, rest, you know, to take care of the temple that he has so graciously given to you. So you need to make sure it's rest properly. And then he still knew, he knew that person was heading in your direction because he knows all things. He still allowed that person to knock on your door. Not only that, if you make them knock softly, where uh, um, they think they're knocking hard enough, or they rang a bell, where in their mind it sounded like it rang, but in your ear it didn't reach that, didn't make that contact. But but God did not allow any of that to happen. He allowed them to wake you up. Now that's the problem with God, because He isn't God sovereign, absolutely and always in control. 
So is it possible to then to ask our God, uh, a moment please, uh, one short quick answer to this question. Why did you let them wake me up this morning or all morning? I feel so break up, I want to go home. I mean back to bed. Why is it that, would, would that be an appropriate question? Or could it be that God is saying, I want you to, I need you to be exposed to the truth. You knock on doors on Saturday mornings. I want you to go to this house because you don't know who's in there. I have my sacred, secret agent in there. And once you open that door, you're going to be arrested with the truth. Yes! And so they knock on the door, and then the policeman who was inside, God's agent, secret agent, says, I'm off duty today. Isn't that cool? And God says, oops, I forgot. I forgot he, she was off duty. Is that likely to happen, or be a scenario? Or what were we thinking? Say, wow, God sent them to you and say, I know. Tell them, I know. Don't open the door. Shh. <laughs> be quiet. No talk. You know, they're here. You know, it's amazing. I get one more question while you think about that. Man, please. Why would Paul emphasize that he was not a man pleaser? But let me ask you this. If man was not a man pleaser, was he a pleaser? And if so, what kind of a pleaser was he? If he was not a man pleaser, what was he? He was a God pleaser. Doesn't that sound cool? But it sounds so weird, though. You hear anybody use that nowadays? I'm a God pleaser. That's not bragging. That sounds crazy. You say, what's wrong with him or her? I'm a God pleaser. There's something wrong with him. Somebody called, please fast, 919, get help for the brother. You know, he's going on saying that he's a God pleaser. But really, isn't it true at the heart of hearts, isn't it true that we would all like to be, let's say this from this point, to be considered by God, to be a God pleaser. So God said, this person lives gracefully. Oh, isn't that cool to get that kind of a compliment from God? And if that is true, wouldn't it be true even to have that reinforced by the people you serve, say, this person is indeed godly. And everything as far as they, from a human perspective, can see is that this person is endeavoring to please God in their world. And the, the term is, that's a God-pleaser. Everything you can be sure, at least in their no mind, we know no one is perfect. But this person, as far as you can see, is doing everything to please God. Certainly not themselves or man. The humanity, just because to get the applause of man. Because there's something in reference to that, is those who do what they do to please men, as soon as the first men say to them, thank you, they've already gotten their reward, right? Well, and once people give you a round of applause, yay, that was well said, well said, very good. That's it, that's your reward. That was only as long and as good as your memory, right? Because once you forget, who was it there, how many of them clap? That's it, that fades away. But what God has for you, wow, now that's another story. You know, that's like forever. You know, kind of thing. One more question before we say that any amen here on this, if it's possible to do that. How is the gospel summarized in, let's say, first, now you won't find it. We talk about the gospel. What is the gospel? If you don't, that the question really is, what is the gospel? Definition, and then when you put meat on it, what, is, what does it look like? What is the gospel? Is this the gospel of the Lord? Yeah, yeah. What is that? Now, if anybody should know, it should be us, right? Or should I go out and ask a mechanic? I mean, just ask, 
the people who knock on the door, or any those who knock on the window, uh, or any other place that people knock. What is this thing called the gospel? But if you really wanted to find out, um, I would have told you that you can look in First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. You might find it there, a summarized version of the gospel. But since you already know what the gospel is, you may not even need to go to First Corinthians chapter 15, you know, um, 1 to 7. Because just in case, you know, some people say one mind tell me this and the next mind tell me that. Like, people have two minds, you know. Like, what is the gospel in a summary form. Essentially the gospel is this. What? I wait patiently. Because they say patient is a sense of humi- a sign of humility. Humility is a, uh, um, well in a sense a characteristic trait of God himself. So let me practice one of those godly traits and wait for your answer for what is the gospel? Mommy, I mean, mother, that is exactly right. The gospel in a nutshell is this that Christ died, he was for us, because you know, I'm just dead, you know, because a lot of people are dead, you know, or died. Christ died for us and was buried. And boy, if it had ended there, we'd still be in trouble. But then, the clincher is this, and he rose again on the third day, as you might say, just as he said he would, you know, and bang, that's the gospel, because when you tell people, because gospel, and by definition, we say it's good news, right? It's not good news. And so the people who come knocking on your door may not know that that's good news, because they don't even know that he raised up, they don't really believe in the resurrection, because resurrection then suggests that what died has to be come back. And the faith, if what gone down didn't come back up, that's not resurrection. That's something else, but it is not resurrection. So essentially they don't even believe in resurrection, which is so fundamental. They're teaching another gospel. But if I had the time, I would say more, but it's time for us to quit. And so we're going to bring this time to a conclusion. I still have only asked 16 questions out of my 44. And so if you do have the nerve to come back another time, we will um, pursue this and answer those other questions in Galatians, because I need to figure out, at least start from what is the gospel, that's where we begin.